0: Welcome to the pre-post-film review. I'm Matt Stevenson.
1: And I'm John Asquith. Uh, So this will be a bonus episode, uh, a little more informal than our usual uh, chats. Uh, And today we're going to be talking about the films you saw, Matt, at the London Mm -hmm. International Film Festival, or LIF. Do they call it LIF? (laughs) No, I don't think so, but we can call it LIF. We'll call it Lif. Um Yeah, so I know you saw quite a few, um, and I guess this is a good little mirror bonus episode uh, that can mirror the myth um, one that we yeah. had a little yeah. earlier in the year. Talk about some films that aren't in wide release yet, but hopefully will be uh, if they're good, mm-hmm. or uh, just ones that people can keep an eye out for, um, or, or maybe to avoid if there's um, <laughs> yeah, some shitty true. ones in there too. Uh cool so I'll, I'll let you sort of take the floor on this one Matt and um uh yeah what was the what what order are you going to go in Yeah. have well, any
0: um, what's your plan I don't know no I've, I saw about 27 films I think um looking wow. at my little list here which so it's a pretty good run um yeah so obviously i won't have time to talk about them all i'll just figure i'll pick some of the highlights so some of the stuff that i really enjoy you don't want
1: to do a um six hour episode yeah well we could if you're up for it
0: <laughs> um no i think i'll probably pick you know the top four or five and chat about them and uh maybe a couple cool. of the uh disappointments too just anything that sort of stood mm-hmm. out i guess yeah that's what i'm yeah, thinking
1: yeah. sounds good man what's uh what's the first movie?
0: Yeah, okay, well, my favourite film um, of the festival, Ooh. which is probably a good place to start, um, yeah. was uh, Carol, the Ton- Todd Haynes uh, picture with Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett, and this is, this is quite a big release, so everyone should have the opportunity to see this, I think. Um, it's just come out wide here in London, I think, so um, mm-hmm. yeah, it should be pretty easy to track down. But, um, yeah, I was super impressed with this film. And I had pretty high expectations going in as well, just because there was a lot of buzz around the film coming off a few of the earlier festivals. Uh, Mm. But it completely lived up to my expectations. Um, Exceeded them, actually, in a lot of ways. Wow. Um, Yeah, it's just such a beautiful little story. I I don't know what other way to say it. And it's a superior piece, so it's... set in the 50s and it's the way it sort of evokes that era is just so perfect like it it almost feels like it could have been shot then it's not mm. it's not flashy and showy and f- doesn't feel over stylized like you sort of are used to seeing the 50s in film it's just it's got this muted mm. color palette that works really well and it's shot on 16 uh, millimeter film, I think. So it's got this really warm grain to it all. Um, yeah. And it's just such a a subtle, uh, subtle story full of little nuances. Like the it's the the film is about a romance between um, Rooney Mara and Kate Blanchett, and because of the sort of time <clears throat> period that it's set, it's uh, sort of a forbidden um, affair that they have. And because they're trying to hide it a lot of the time, or not even to the outside world, like it takes a while for them to admit it to themselves. Particularly Rooney character, so a lot of it's sort of really subtle, just gestures and looks and glances mm. across rooms, and it's just so perfectly done. Like it's so, such tiny details say so much, um, and yeah, it really, really affected me. It, yeah, I think I cried a couple of times during this film because it was so wow. so emotionally powerful. But in in a, in a subtle way if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And and on top of that there's also just some really great filmmaking. There's a particular scene um, in a car ride where Rennie Mara's in the backseat of a car and it's just the way mm. it's shot through the glass and with all the reflections and the streaking lights and it was almost like this little abstracty moment of just music and image and it was yeah mind-blowing really
1: really great right. mm. uh, yeah well that that sounds really amazing and I have uh, seen the trailer for this I think you sent it to me Matt um, mm. when we were talking yep. one day and um, yeah I'm really really excited to see it I think it looks very cool like you said uh, the way it's shot and everything just from the trailer I got a real sense that it, it felt super authentic somehow mm. to yep. the, the time period. And as you say, we're, we're used to seeing the 50s really stylized and mm. and there's like a, almost a set look for how the 50s should look on yeah. film now. Like, And this was completely different but felt real somehow. Um, yep. And I'm just really interested in, uh, you know, this drama which is, sounds super affecting and... Um, You know, uh, different than what you'd normally see. So yeah, definitely super
0: excited. It's one of those films that kind of sneaks up on you too, because it just there's Mm. nothing showy about it at all, and the story is so small, and it's Mm. yeah, it's just presented in a way that's almost designed not to wow you, if that makes sense. And you know, if you go in expecting this really super emotional, bombastic film, you're probably going to be disappointed. But if you just sit there and let it sort of seep into you and get sucked into this Mm. this world and these characters it's super effective it's just like a perfectly executed little film in a way Mm. great yeah loved it i would highly Mm. recommend um everyone try and check that out
1: yeah awesome well i'm pretty sure it's uh opening in australia in mid january yeah right next year Mm -hmm. 2016 um, so I guess that's one for people to keep an eye out for.
0: Yeah, definitely. Carol. What's next? Next. So, Matthew? um, another film that I really liked, which should be quite <coughs> easy to find, um, I'm not sure if it's had a release already. I know it has in the States. Mm-hmm. Um, was the end of the tour. Spectre. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. Jurassic World. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh. The End of the Tour, which um is the biopic kind of about uh David Foster Wallace and the journalist um David Lipsky. Uh so that's with Jason Siegel and Jesse Iceberg. Um and it's kind of based on the interview that David Lipsky did with David Foster Wallace, where he kind of just spent uh I think it's like a week or some sort of quite small amount of time, just traveling around Mm. with him and, um, recording this, this interview with, uh, the David Foster Wallace, who at this point in his career was like at the peak of his success. Like he just, Infinite Jest had just been sort of heralded as one of the greatest American novels ever written. Um, and it just sort of, it was, it sort of all took took place within such a small confined amount of time, but it's, it says so much. And there's some, a lot of rich, um, interesting character beats and just sort of meditations on, on journalism and what, uh, I don't know what makes a good author or what makes a good creative person. I don't know. There was, there was a lot to sort of dig down into within the film. Um, and I didn't know much about David Foster Wallace. I'd never read any of his books or anything like that. But just mm. watching their relationship develop over those few days was, uh, yeah, super rewarding. I really liked it a lot.
1: Yeah, sounds really interesting. And um, uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Jason Siegel, kind of a strange pairing of, I would imagine, is that that obviously works pretty well in the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I mean, like, I'm not... Uh, familiar with what David Foster Wallace was like in real life but the uh, yeah, from what well, I've read did, he does a pretty good job of kind of capturing the spirit of him um, yeah and it uh, Jesse Eisenberg is really good in these kind of roles I feel like kind of like the introverted a little mm. bit uh, underhanded in a way, like. S- mm. Ratty or something, yeah. <laughs> um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, there is a sliminess yeah, yeah, to yeah, yeah. his but characters also of all the time with endearing as well. Like, he's not, mm. he, yeah, he, I don't know. It's this he has this way of balancing the two that's effective, and it's really suits this character of this kind of journalist who's you know trying to get into this guy's life to write a good piece for the Rolling Stone or whatever you're working for. Mm. Um. So, yeah, I, I'm not sure when that's getting a release, actually, but given the, the, the star power behind it, um, yeah. I think it'd be quite easy to track down. Also, interestingly, that's directed by, um, I'm going to butcher this, but James Ponsolt, is that how you say his name? Which is the director of The Spectacular Now, which I love. Right. So, this is his follow-up wow. to The Spectacular Now.
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm even more interested. Yeah, I didn't
0: know that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's a bit hard to sort of describe um why this worked for me so well, but it it really did. Mm. It has, also has there's this sort of like undercurrent of melancholy too just because you know what happened to David Foster Wallace. And I mean it opens with sort of like a flash mm. forward of um David Lipsky getting the news that David Foster Wallace had killed himself and he sort of goes back and finds these tapes from whenever Mm. he did the interview. So that kind of hangs over the whole film. And as there's just this like sadness and it's just a great portrait of this troubled artist and, you know, who's heralded as being so brilliant, but it's Mm. a great picture of how normal he was. Like he's just a guy, you know, like Mm. we put people and artists on these pedestals Like, in the film itself, David is loves him so much. Like, he looks up to him like this god, but then he meets him and he's just like this ordinary dude that, you know, has depression and he's like struggling through life kind Mm. of thing. Anyway, yeah, there's there's just loads loads to think about in this film. Surprisingly Mm. uh, richer than I expected.
1: Sounds very cool.
0: Um, what else did I like? Um, there was a film that I surprisingly enjoyed. Um, I sort of hadn't heard anything about it, uh, going in. Um, it was Mm. called Chronic, um, and it stars Tim Roth. And I almost didn't see it because the description of the film sounded so morbid. It's it's basically about (laughs) a, a, like a a home care nurse like Tim Roth is a nurse that looks after people with chronic illnesses that are like Mm. on the brink of death. Basically they can't look after themselves. So he, his job is to, you know, shower them and like, you know, cook their meals and things. Um, and it's basically just like a little character piece again with it just follows Tim Roth, uh, as he cares for a series of chronically ill patients. I mean, it, mm. it is, you know, p- pretty tough subject matter. You do, mm. you know, have to see a lot of people in, like, really uncomfortable, unpleasant situations. But it, mm. it just sort of surprisingly, over the course of the film, um, like, really surprising, interesting character details bubble up about his character, and you just sort of slowly learn more and more about him and he, he sort of has this weird, uh, I don't know whether it's like an impulse or whether it's a, a sort of safety mechanism, but he kind of like takes on characteristics or makes the people that he care, cares for, uh, a part of his life in like really interesting ways. Like the, the woman that he cares for the very opening, like the first woman who has, cancer because it it opens and it's actually a bit unclear as to what their relationship is and i actually thought it was his wife to begin with um but it was just one of his patients but he there is a scene like after she dies um he's at a bar just having a drink and um ends up chatting to this couple that's next to him and sort of tells this story pretending that she was his wife and how she just, just died of cancer and it's yeah it was really fascinating and it, it kind of it reoccurs throughout the film like the the relationships he builds with these people and then in this like i don't think it's malicious but he just has this odd way of almost deluding himself yeah. whether it's mm. intentional or not but he, he yeah he starts pretending like they're parts part of his his life story mm. in, in more of a way than they actually were and it's just like a kind of really interesting meditation on death too, like what it's like to be in those final stages of life. Um, and it does it does end in a really bizarrely s- abrupt way, the film, but I actually kind of okay. like that. I read some criticism after the film that people hated that ending and I can see that. Um, but yeah, I actually think it works quite well given the subject matter of the film. And it's just nice to see Tim Roth do something like you hardly see him these days. And it's, it's his film. He's in like every frame basically. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how hard or easy that will be to find. It did win, um, something at Khan, I think, or at least was, uh, in the running to win one of the awards there. I'm not sure if it did. So it may be available on sort of streaming sites or have a small, mm. uh, Independent release. I think it's coming out in Independence and was here, maybe early next year. I want to say, okay, but I'm not sure about Australia.
1: Yeah, we'll have to keep an eye out for that.
0: The oh, actually, one of the highlights from the festival was definitely. Uh, I went to see the little retrospective the film festival did on the Quay Brothers, which are these sort of stop motion um, animate animators um that make these strange bizarrely dark sort of abstract um short films um and there was also a, a short documentary on them uh, directed by christopher nolan so that was having its premiere at the london film festival and uh, mm. nolan was there to introduce the film which was pretty cool um, very cool so I got to hear him chat for a little while about the did you squeal when he came into the room uh, yeah, I just wet myself silently in my seat. <laughs> um, no, I was very excited it was cool to see him in, uh, in the flesh mm. um, and he yeah it was, he had some sort of really interesting things to say and was very open about how inspirational uh, the Quay brothers films have been directly on his work and he joked mm. about how, um, yeah, how he's blatantly ripped them off a lot of times in his <laughs> films, which was kind of refreshing to hear someone be so open and honest about things that they love and how they've inspired their work, which was, was really cool. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And the brothers themselves were there, so they had a bit of a chat. They were, um, very, uh, introverted and you could tell they were very uncomfortable talking in front of a big crowd of people, but it was nice to hear from them mm. too. Um, yeah. Mm. So, yeah, they screened the the documentary itself, which uh, even Nolan, um, I think, is very hesitant to call it a a film. Um, Like, it's very short, and it's kind of just like a little fun project of his that he did. Uh, Right. So it's only, yeah, I'm actually not sure what the runtime is, but it's it's not long at all, and it's kind of just a series of... Like, he just spent a day with them in their workshop and just filmed it. Um, So it's Uh, not like a super insightful doco about Mm. their career it's just like a little snapshot of like Mm. a day in the life which is you know can be quite revealing Mm. and interesting and um again like it's nolan so he shot it on film so it just looks great from the opening shot you you, i don't know i just love seeing stuff on 35 mil these days it's so rare um yeah it, it looks awesome um See that was cool, and then there was three. They showed three of their shorts. So there was uh, "Street of Crocodiles," I think. Um, one called "The Comb," and one called "In Absentia," I think it was. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of liked them progressively more as they went on. because um, the first right. the first one we saw, which I think was in Absentia, if I'm remembering correctly um was super abstract uh and very abrasive and jarring it was kind of met about a uh a woman that was in an insane asylum that would write mm. letters to her dead husband or something or and then would like sort of put them in her cupboard or wardrobe which i think was based on some sort of truth i'm not 100% sure but it, it's just so abstract and really hard to even get that from watching the images on the screen and it's a lot of like you know extreme close-ups of pencils snapping on paper and then just like really ab- abrasive screechy sound effects and um, I mean it was it's entirely experimental and it, it certainly is uh, effective at evoking a uncomfortable atmosphere which I is Mm. what they were um, aiming for. But yeah. I preferred the the ones that followed, which were a bit more um, creepy and had a lot more stop-motion animation, which was the stuff that I really like. Um, cool. Yeah, so I think my favourite was The Street of Crocodiles, which was this kind of bizarre uh, trip into this weird underworld, that uh, this... Guy goes on and it's just sort of like him mm. walking around these rooms that have you know creepy dolls and weird artifacts and everything they have a really um great talent of making things look uh used and sort of like rusty and dirty mm. you know there's they're quite small models like you see in the documentary how they make them all and they they sort of source all their things from you know old op shops and antique stores and sort of break Mm. them apart and stitch them together with wire and things. And Mm. it looks amazing. And this I think is the best example of that because they've created these entire worlds of like knickknacks and things and bits and pieces and lights. And it just, it looks really good and it's, it's a little bit more uh, coherent in sort of having a narrative that you can follow. It's not as Mm -hmm. blatantly abstract Um, and yeah, just visually really striking. So, um, yeah. Street of crocodiles. I think there is, I want to say like a Blu-ray or DVD release that was, that Nolan's involved in, which is where you can see this documentary, um, which, yeah, includes documentary and a bunch of their films. I'm not sure if it's their, the Quay brothers entire, um, filmography or if it's just a select few, um, but. I think it should be pretty easy to find on online on Amazon or somewhere like that. You'd be able to pick this up, which, yeah, is definitely worth watching if you're into animation or stop-motion animation or just are a Nolan fan and want to see some films that have like heavily influenced his work. Um, mm. It's definitely worth checking out.
1: Yeah, very cool. Um, could you sense uh, a direct connection to uh, Nolan's work? Like specifically, could you feel that sort of um, a tone or whatever yeah. it was that he he sort of liked from their films? Yeah,
0: definitely. I can. I feel like the tonally was that was the biggest connection I saw. I mean, he talked about there being a lot of specific images or imagery that he mirrored in his mm-hmm. films, which I didn't sort of. Uh, I didn't feel that from what we saw. At mm. The London Film Festival. So he was lying. Yeah, basically he's full of shit. Um, <laughs> but you know, we only saw three of their films, and there was one. Right, I think it might have been the comb. I'm sorry if I'm getting these mixed up. Um, but there was one that was kind of had a, a lot of ladders, and it, they it was. I don't actually remember what the the narrative was, but it, it seemed to be someone going to some sort of like weird dream world, and there was like gravity was kind of didn't make sense. And there was ladders going up into roofs and stuff. And that felt kind of like Mm. Inception-esque. Like you could feel a bit of that DNA in there, even though there there wasn't like direct images taken as far as I could see, but you could, you could feel that there was a connection between those two. But yeah, like you said, the the biggest thing I think was the tone and that kind of like uh, gritty, gritty realness that's probably not exactly the right word but you know Nolan always Mm. has his films have a certain feel to Mm. them at least the the more recent stuff does and I feel like you can see a bit of that in the Quay Brothers films like they're way more down the end of like the the dirty grimy end of that spectrum but that they do have it like a texture to their films that you can sort of feel in Nolan's work I think
1: yeah yeah interesting
0: What's next, Matt? Uh, next. What can we talk about next? <clears throat> well, one of the other huge ones that I loved was The Witch, but we've talked about that enough already, probably. Um, yeah, that was probably, probably. my second favourite thing I saw um, at the film festival. Cool. Uh, but if you want to hear our thoughts on that, we have an entire episode dedicated to that. Um, we do. check out. Um, one that I'm actually still a bit unsure of, uh, which... I think I really like but I could really hate um, is (laughs) a film called Nasty Baby. um, Okay. Which, uh, again, should be quite easy to find given those involved. It stars... Kristen Wiig is one of the stars of it and it's directed by Sebastian Silva who... I think that's how you say his name. um, Who did Magic Magic, which was around a couple of years ago that played at Myth, um, which I actually didn't like. It uh, got a lot of buzz, but um, I didn't think much of it, which starred Michael Cera and um, Juno Temple. It's kind of like this thriller. Uh, and he also did um, that weird film that I actually haven't seen starring Michael Cera again, that Crystal Fairy and the Magical Cactus, or right. what it's called, which yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen, so I can't comment on. Um, mm. But yeah, he's, wor- he's worked with some you know, reasonably big actors in this. <clears throat> he stars in this, um, Sebastian Silver. and it's it's about this um, gay couple that want to have a child, um, and their friend, who's played by Kristen Wiig, is, uh, like, wants to be the, the surrogate mother for the child. Um, so it's kind of, a, it's one of those sort of hyper-realistic... Kind of, you know, semi-documentary feel, uh, little indies where you kind of just follow these characters around in their lives, um, and I kind of didn't like it to begin with. He it's, Silver's character is pretty pretentious, and he's kind of like this artist that um, is making. I mean, it's it's all it's kind of satirical and played for laughs too, because he he's uh, making this art piece called Nasty Baby which is him um being like acting like a baby like uh, naked mm. and crying and like he wants to do this video art piece but and it is like it is mm-hmm. very much sort of like taking the piss out of that hipstery culture of just yeah making all these crazy art pieces and calling yourself an artist sort of thing <laughs> do you know what mm-hmm. I mean mm. um, yeah yeah and yeah, it, it really grew on me as I watched it and it it's, does a good job at, um, I don't know, just digging into the lives of these characters and Kristen Weeks super charming in this and funny. Um, all of them are actually, but, but <laughs> I don't know actually how much to say um, about it because it takes a huge turn. in the, like the third act, like completely, Complete tonal, just 180, you know, like completely wow. out of the blue, um, mm. which I loved, but I don't know if it works as a film. <laughs> if you know, I right. actually, now that I've started talking about it, I don't know how much I can talk about it without like spoiling things. Cause part of the joy yeah. of this is just sort of like letting it all play out. <clears throat> so, I mean, I guess I would recommend it just, just so you can experience it. I, mean, yeah. I kind of ended up uh, giving it quite a good score on my Letterboxd account, just
1: mm-hmm.
0: purely sort of based on the, I love the fact that when films can surprise me like that, um, and it was just sort of fun to go on that journey. Um, yeah. But since then I've sort of been flipping back and forward. Um, yeah but yeah so I, I would recommend checking it out just just to see what you think like it's an experience for sure
1: yeah it sounds like one of those situations where uh, I mean you you know it could go either way and even if it's b- bad or you don't necessarily mm. enjoy it it's interesting yeah and uh, yeah. it's worth checking out just for that reason definitely
0: yeah so and if while we're on the topic of films that I could potentially, hate there was one that I that stood out that I really disliked um oh okay we could chat about quickly which was um, a film called don't grow up and I don't want to like rail on a film that you know a small little film (laughs) that uh you know is is trying hard and didn't quite make it but this I don't know there was something about this that really just rubbed me up the wrong way and Mm. I think also a lot of it had to do with... There's a lot of... I could see a lot of potential in this film. So basically it was a British film um, that was about these kids that find themselves... Like they're living in this little town and a uh, virus or something has been set loose. You never actually find out what caused it. But basically it only affects adults. So like when the kids... If you are of a certain age, then you get infected by this this virus and um, turn, like, murderous and want to kill everyone, which I think is actually an interesting setup. Really interesting. You know, right? Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, it's a bit on the nose, but, you know, you, mm. you could make some comments about, like, adulthood and children, or at least, you know, how mm. children think about adults and you know, that all that sort of stuff. And the, the children that it focuses on, are sort of like, uh, I don't think they're, they're orphans or anything, but they're in like a a home for like troubled children. Um, so it's kind of particularly relevant for what the way they would see adults in their lives. Um, but it does absolutely nothing with that premise it was just so disappointing and even the start was shot really beautifully like it it's set out on this Mm. like english countryside but the coastal countryside Mm. so there's like these beautiful like scenic shots of the trees and the water and um yeah it was potentially uh it could have been really great but it it just turns into the most boring cliched like zombie film basically like the people just become weird Zombies. I mean, they're not slow walking Walking Dead zombies. They're like twenty eight days later, running like rage. That's basically what it is. Like it's the same disease as twenty eight days later, um, and it's just got like every cliche in the book. Like one of them, you know, starts to turn, and then they have to like, you know, kill them, and uh, I don't know. It yeah. was just it just. Even from the beginning, it, it made sort of no sense. Like, they were in this home for children, but there there was no adults around. Like, there was, you know, a cast of four or five kids. And they were in this enormous institution that would have hold, held, like, you know, a thousand people.
1: Yeah, but yeah.
0: Like and it was never mentioned. Where are the other kids or where are the adults? And they're just like, oh, they've gone to town or something. Like the, the, at this point there was no. They were in no way worried that something had gone wrong. Like it, it was just like a normal day for them. But there was just no one there. And then they go they go <laughs> into town and find that the, the shits hit the fan. But again, like you know, they they go into town. And they want it to be this like spooky thing where they walk around. There's like no one around and it seems all deserted. And they're like, what the hell's going on? And then. You know, they see one guy outside, then all of a sudden there's, like, people everywhere chasing him. And it just logically makes no sense. Like, they wanted it deserted for one scene, and then they want it full of, like, crazy psychos for the next scene. It's just Mm. really lazy horror filmmaking. I was super disappointed.
1: Yeah, that's a bummer. Because, as you say, the premise is that there's lots of potential there to do something really cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, that was called don't grow up. Um, and I would recommend skipping that. (laughs) Um, I'm not actually sure if it's getting any, any wide release. I highly doubt it. There's sort of no one big involved. It's very, very small. It would probably be like a straight to DVD or streaming kind of thing. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a bit of a shame that one.
1: So that's don't grow up. And would you say don't see
0: it? (laughs) Yeah, it's exactly like the quote on the poster. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so yeah i mean that's probably a good little snapshot of of the films that i saw at the london film festival i think i mean there was some other yeah cool you know bits and pieces there's a film called james white that i would recommend by the team that um did martha marcy may marlene i don't think it's the same director but they're like little collective um, right. Which I would recommend. Um, there was a documentary called Exotica, Erotica, Etc, which is a horrible title, but was actually full of really striking imagery, um, similar to Leviathan in terms of subject matter, not in terms of the feel of the film, but yeah, full mm. of amazing, amazing images. Um, I saw Steve Jobs at the festival. Um, mm. Yeah, but we may talk about that later on, so I won't go into that in too much detail. But it's, yeah. it's I'd say it's worth seeing. Um, yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, there's a little film called The Invitation, which is a horror film, which was okay. Um, and Homesick as well, actually, would be another, if you're a horror fan, it's kind of like Black Swan meets uh, Whiplash, I think is the way they're kind of putting it oh but, interesting uh, i wouldn't rate it as high as either of those films but it's kind of like this yeah. um violinist or she may- plays a cello or something this woman who's sort of uh. um stuck at home practicing her music and slowly is either going insane or her elderly upstairs neighbor is fucking with her and it kind of escalates right. from there which was mm. yeah it was pretty good
1: very cool. Well, uh, thanks for sharing your thoughts with us all, Matt. No problem. Um, there's definitely some movies in there to watch out for mm-hmm. and that I'm very excited to see. Yeah. And uh, one that I'm not excited to see and <laughs> won't see. So that's good, some good tips there. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think we said this on the other episode too, but it's good to have episodes like this, I think, where we can talk about uh, smaller movies or or at least things that aren't widely mm. kind of out there for people to see and um, it's always fun to to go to a festival and and see stuff like this so yeah uh, yeah thanks for sharing and um, yeah I uh, uh, just I uh, really appreciate uh, your thoughts and you as a person <laughs> and so um, I just, uh, just want to say thank yeah, you thanks John <laughs> 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 oh, oh, I'm an idiot.